Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, will you look at that? We're 400. 400! Happy 400th episode to us! Woohoo! Holy cow, how do we do that? With a lot of um, help from people, so... Oh my God, slightly giddy about it, to be honest. Grateful, appreciative, happy, over the moon, thrilled. So thank you to, first and foremost, Ben, who's been on this journey from the very, very start and without whose amazing skills, this podcast would not be um, the success that it is and have you guys coming back and have guests coming back. So Ben, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you to you for listening whether you've listened to one episode or whether you've listened to 359 and you're about to dive into the 400th. And also to our, all of our guests and everybody who helps us facilitate them. Uh, without you guys, none of this would be possible. So thanks for telling your stories, uh, both on screen and off screen. We really appreciate it. Ben sort of said for me to pick a favourite episode, which is a bit like picking my favourite child if I'd had 400 of them. Oh my God, can you imagine? But there are a few that stand out as being ones that were incredibly memorable. I love when we were able to highlight new talent, but then getting the chance to speak to Steven Spielberg kind of blew my mind. And that was my amazing Christmas gift a few years ago. We've got to say a massive thank you to John Favreau because he was our first ever interview. He wasn't our first episode. John Ben Wheatley was. So Ben, thank you. But Favreau was our first interview. And without that, nobody else would have probably jumped on board. So. Thanks, chef. <laughs> anyway, there we go. There's, I mean, there's 400. Well, after this episode, there'll be 400 up there for you to check out. So if you're joining me for the first time, then please go and dive in. I'm very proud of what we've done and I hope that we can deliver at least another 400 more. And also just a thank you to those people that I have just randomly messaged on social media and go, hi, because today's episode is one of those. I have kind of known Mark Ronson, not hugely well, but kind of, you know, professionally over the years. And I just was desperate to speak to him about Barbie. So I just dropped him a message and said, hiya. And out of the blue, he just got back to me and was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I can't for a couple of weeks, but yes, please. So Mark, thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, he's literally one of the greatest music producers in the world and now a composer of score. And to ask if he wanted to talk to me about Barbie, he said, yes, what a legend. No compulsion via PR company for this incredibly busy man. He gave me and you half an hour of his time. I think as well, they just had a baby uh, to talk about Greta's brilliant film. Just before we hear from Mark and some of his and Andrew White's wonderful music, uh, something that might interest you if you are a creative in the world of music and film. I'm talking about BMG PM, BMG Production Music. Now, it's part of BMG, one of the world's largest music companies. And BMG Production Music is a premium music catalogue for 
music supervisors, editors and other creatives in the industry. They have some incredibly talented award-winning TV and film composers in their catalogue, as well as bespoke services, where they offer every genre of music imaginable with easy-to-use tools to find the perfect track. It's all available on their brand new website, which has AI tools and intuitive search. Are you intrigued? Interested, possibly? Then head to bmgproductionmusic.com. That's bmgproductionmusic.com. Elevate your project with premium quality music made for media with BMGPM, your trusted global music partner who believe in the power of production music and passionately champion the music all around us. Speaking of quality music, let's get back to the episode and we'll begin with a cue of Mark and Andrew Wyatt's Ken Makes a Discovery. okay yeah yeah good good you got a nice backdrop there I, mine is obviously like you need some bunch books. Of sad empty shelves clearly you've got enough award awards you can stick a few on the shelves behind you i got I, <laughs> i've got some nice books this is just a random part of the house which is the only slightly quiet place where we won't hear a, a squealing excitable infant right now so that's why I'm just sort of in this place but yeah mine's was created for lockdown so it's my kind of my lady cave as I like to know it's good it's a (laughs) good it's a good looking cave I got the chance to chat to Greta again the other night for a a BAFTA Q&A which was so great along with a really lovely panel of her production design costumes casting um so you were missed but you were talked about greatly um but it was such a really warm response in the room still this film has got like legs man it's just it's so great it's still in the cinemas people are looking forward to dressing up as ken for halloween uh all that kind of stuff yeah it's it's crazy and i i think that it i mean i think this obviously like you know in regards to the population but i think it did even better in england and ireland than it did in the states like as good as it did i think it's like it's so great that it's resonated everywhere because you know obviously I'm English I grew up (laughs) though a lot of my life in the states and moved to America when I was eight I I wasn't sure if Barbie was a thing in in England I was like is that just something I knew from America I remember my sister's playing with it but 
I think it's not just Barbie, it's the movie, it's the performances, it's everything, but it's it's crazy just to see it, you know, being played and it's banned in Russia and it's playing in theaters there, you know, it's obviously just hit this chord with people. Yeah. Can you remember your first conversation about it? Yeah, I can. I was Zooming, I was set up on a Zoom with Greta um, mm. and she was, my friend George Trukulius, who was the music supervisor, just hit me and he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about this next Greta Garwick film. I had no idea what it was. And uh, I said, sure. I, and I loved Lady Bird. And I knew that she was writing it with Noah. And I loved his films. And we just had a Zoom. And they were already in England. And they were about to start shooting, I think. And they were really... They're certainly about to go and to start rehearsals for this big dance sequence. And they're like, we, we need a song. Like, might be two songs, you know, there's a, the dance sequence and we, we feel like there should be a Ken song. But it really just started kind of about one song. And I didn't know this at the time, but now I've heard that Greta originally had this fantasy of getting Barry Gibb to do the thing because she was obsessed with the Bee Gees at the time. But Barry Gibb was just kind of politely like, I'm busy or something. There were some really cool parallels that she drew later when we talked between the Bee Gees and Barbie because the Bee Gees there had just been that great documentary about the Bee Gees and there's this really memorable scene where they're like why did everyone hate us all of a sudden you know in the in America when they started burning disco records in the early 80s yeah there was this huge backlash to disco and the Bee Gees are just like all we wanted to do was make people dance there's like this funny (laughs) parallel between Barbie and that you even see in the movie of her when she gets to the real world you know why does everyone hate me I just wanted to make everybody happy so anyway so it didn't work out with Greta and Barry fortunately for me and um she said you know there's this big dance number read the script see what you think and I read the script and I just devoured it. It was so funny. And I remember laughing out loud so many <laughs> times. And I remember just thinking out to myself, like, if I don't get this movie, this is still going to be my favorite movie next year. <laughs> I, can tell. And I hope I get it. So we zoomed again, I think a day or two later. I just remember it would always be like four o'clock in New York. And then it would be Greta. And then sometimes Noah would like, a glass of wine unwinding after like probably what had been like a very intense, you know, production, you know, day or whatever. So, yeah, she said, OK, well, great. I'm glad you're into it. So basically we need the song and we need it probably in so- something in a week because we're about to start these rehearsals. And, you know, it was just I remember being kind of stressed because I wanted it to be really great because I wanted the gig. But like, God, in a week and this, you know, I, I just trying to go a couple of different ways. I had a few different demos. One was very like 80s and closer to the spirit of like a Barbie girl type song, like a bit Euro and yeah, 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 kind yeah, of yeah. like relentlessly happy, like uh, uh, maybe a more obvious way that you would think to go with Barbie. But then I just felt like actually this movie is tough and it has teeth and it's it's not what you expect Barbie to be like. Let me just try and make something that just sounds kind of a little more tough and muscular in some ways, you know? And I'm sure maybe in the back of my mind, there was some thought of like, it would be great if Dua was the star for this. So maybe thinking even in Dua's wheelhouse as I was coming up with the track. But yeah, I sent it and uh, Greta wrote me back, you know, the next, she was extremely enthusiastic. It was very exciting. In fact, I sent it to her overnight 
and I I always turn my phone off at night because it's just good to just like not have the constant buzzing by the side of the bed and all that shit that we all go through. But I woke up to go to the toilet in the middle of the night and I was like, oh, fuck it. I have to see if she texted Because <laughs> I knew by that point it was like morning in England and there were all these like very enthusiastic, like pink heart, like just like, this is it. I can't stop. I've listened to this a hundred times already this morning. It was just the instrumental, this very raw version of what became Dance the Night. But it was very exciting. And, um, and they did the rehearsals, the dance rehearsals to that song, you know, just the instrumental and... It was so cool because I w- went over to London, just skipping ahead a bit to we had already yeah. then written Ken. And I went over to London to record the vocals with Ryan, but um, I got to go to the dance rehearsal. And I remember <laughs> Greta saying it was the first time that everybody really got together and had a bit of a bonding experience before they started shooting with these dance rehearsals because it was Simu and Scott and Margot and Anna and everybody, Emma, like the whole thing. It was. It was pretty wild to like walk into this thing and like this, you know, this track that I made in, in my studio was like turning into this big production number. And I think that because the movie came even the, from the first text from George and my first conversation with Greta, it all unraveled in such a cool, low key, almost organic way that if I if it had come to me like my manager got a call from Warner Brothers and they're doing Barbie, like all these things that would have made it sound like much of a bigger deal. Yeah. Uh, or maybe more of like a commercial thing. Yeah. I think that it would have completely changed how I made the music because I probably would have been second guessing. Oh, they need a summer smash. It's this film. It's blah, blah, blah. So the way that it just came, like just Greta at her table, like a glass of wine at the end of a long day of production being like, Hey, I, I love this and I love this and, and I think it was just so great that it happened that way. Maybe you can find me under the lights, diamonds under my eyes. Turn the rhythm up, don't you wanna just come along for the ride? Oh my outfits are tight, you can see my heartbeat tonight. I can take the heat, baby, best believe that's the moment I shine. Cause every romance shakes and it bends, don't give a damn. Watch me dance, dance the night away. My heart could be burning, but you won't see it on my face. Watch me dance, dance the night away. I'll still keep the party running. I wonder how to It's so great because two things. One, it's one of those songs that you know when you hear it, that you just want to get on the dance floor as quick as possible. You know that thing where you're almost dance walking to the dance floor that's cool yeah (laughs) it's like it's one of those like you're like oh yeah I can't really dance in the cinema but I want to it's one of those but also she I love how much she fought for that whole attitude that you were just talking about there you know in terms of the real stuff and the the natural things like she was saying that when someone from the studio whatever read the kind of you know the the I'm just Ken sort of scene you know, this whole thing that goes into kind of the sort of the dude ballet and all that kind of stuff, the fight into the fussy scene and stuff. And they're like, do we really need this? And she's kind of like, yes. You know, it's yeah. kind of, there, were, there were things for her that were so important to kind of fight for and kind of stand up for because she felt that 
they were coming from such a important place to tell the story that she kind of felt like they were worth fighting for. I remember even that in the very beginning, she was making a wardrobe test of Margot and Ryan because I think Mattel in the studio wanted to see what their costumes were going to be like. And even like at that such an early phase, you know, like I was still shooting the film. She put my little demo of Dance the Night in the background because she thought it would be great for them to start hearing it and plant the seed. So when it came, they would feel like they, they knew it. It was really clever. And then I remember I met Inan in the summer of 2022, who's the head of Mattel. And he came up to me and he was like, you know, I heard you're working on this Barbie movie. I was like, yeah, you know, the script is amazing. He's like, yeah, and, you know, I'm Greta's amazing. I knew the first time when I met her and, she wanted to talk to me for an entire hour about just about different shades of pink. I knew she was the genius we needed, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> He's like, and I, when I got the wardrobe test, there was this piece of music in it and I tried to Shazam it. I love this piece of music and it wasn't coming up on my Shazam. So I asked Greta what it was. And she was like, it's a song that we're working on. Like she, even just at that point, like Greta planting the seeds was, was so, uh, I think she just so clever. Did she get involved in the kind of, you know, the lyrical side of things at all? Because the way that the the lyrics in the songs, in a lot of the songs, tonally, they really fit with the script and the dialogue and that kind of thing. I, I just wondered whether, you know, particularly like the lyrics and and I'm just Ken, you know, is it my destiny to live or die? A life of blood fragility. I just can't. I just it's so I mean, all of it is just brilliant. But but yeah, did she get involved in that side of it at all? She didn't, but I mean this the all these songs come from the DNA of the film, really, you know. And I think we were just so inspired, Andrew and I, you know, I yeah, writing partner, we wrote the song together. We love them and listen, we love like we don't fancy ourselves as comedy writers or like brilliant comedic right minds in the way that Greta and Noah are, but we're like giant fans of that stuff. And maybe you watch enough of it, it mm. starts to to seep in. And you know, when I did write that line, I you know, I don't I work with a lot of brilliant lyricists and people that come with great conceptual stuff, and that could be anybody from obviously Amy Winehouse to Bruno to whoever like usually my role in the studio is to help the music and the arrangement and be a bouncing board and throw in the occasional idea. But I don't usually come in the studio like, I got a chorus. But I think I was <laughs> so inspired by the film and stuff. I really did like that line just came to me like, I'm just Ken anywhere else. I'd be a 10. And I wasn't even thinking to myself like, isn't that funny? It was more like, isn't that sad? Like I didn't <laughs> want the Ken song to be lampoonish or anything and neither did they. So I had the idea for the chorus and then I did have that line about blonde fragility. But <laughs> when I sent the first demo to Greta, I kind of mumbled it specifically because I didn't want them to be like, all right, we'll take care of the funny. Thank you very much. Like we didn't come <laughs> to you for the funny. You just write, write your pop songs, old man. But um, <laughs> I sent a demo and, I did kind of mumble that lyric and then Greta instantly wrote back. She's like, I love this song. And is there some line about blonde fragility in there? Cause I love that too. And so then I was like, okay, cool. So they just want us to do our thing. So I think we were very inspired by their script. I think we wanted it to fit the film very much. So that's why it was tailored. And then Noah and Greta would still come with 
great ideas that would influence the songs. Like at the end of Can, no, I remember him saying, can by the end of the song, can it instead of being like, I'm just Ken, kind of mopey, can it be like, I'm just Ken, we've locked arms and I'm just Ken, take me as I am, like I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah. And so that definitely influenced the whole part when we wrote like, you know, I'm just Ken and I'm enough. But yeah, and I'm great at doing stuff like that was fun to get to. Like I said, we weren't trying to write a funny song. We were trying to write an earnest song, but occasionally being able to pepper it with some funny lines, especially because Andrew and I are just such massive kind of fans of good comedy anyway. It was was quite fun to get to do that. Doesn't seem to matter what I do. I'm always number two. No one knows how hard I tried Oh, oh, I, I have feelings that I can't explain Driving me insane All my life been so polite But I'll sleep alone tonight Cause I'm just kidding Anywhere else I'd be tame Is it my destiny to live and die? kind of you know when the seeds of that song were kind of presented to her she's kind of like so there's going to be this kind of dance thing in the middle so if you can make it like 11 minutes long that would be awesome kind of thing yeah I mean it was already kind of one of the most even in the demo was sort of one of the more like maximalist things that Andrew and I have ever got to work on and then she was like and I've added this one extra sequence. It's a dream ballet. So I need it to like, really like go crazy. And I'm like, crazy than it is? Cause it's already a lot. Like she's like, yeah, I just need you to like give me everything. So, and then we came up with that Kennedy line, I think because we'd seen some of the dance footage. I think she'd sent us like video from the set of like the iPhone and we're like, they're running and, you know, leaping across the stage. And it was like, I honestly, I, I know that if we hadn't have coined the word Kennedy, somebody would have coined it by now. But um, it was just so obvious that that's what that should be. And then the one time that we did allow ourselves to like have a bit of a laugh was when like Andrew was in the booth, and I just remember him. You know, it was written all these like really <laughs> wonderful, like heartfelt songs and very serious music. The Andrew even more so than my own is just singing 
can you feel energy? Like just singing in this like <laughs> Freddie Mercury, like uh, alto. And then, I mean, the crazy thing was that there was never supposed to be a Ken song performed in the movie, though, not as much as we knew. Like we thought that maybe when they said that they wanted the dance song and they wanted a Ken song, I assumed that they meant like, Maybe it was for the credits or maybe it would play over the top while they were going into battle. But uh, when we sent the demo in and then she played it to Ryan, she was, Ryan wants to sing this song in the film. And Amazing. and we've, we're we now writing it into this scene. And we're that's when it was just like, holy shit, like these people who make, <laughs> what are these people doing? No, these people who make this these movies that we love are like now taking the song and we like and now changing their film i mean i guess it wasn't fully unlike when we wrote shallow and stars born you know that was never that was never implied that that was going to be sung in the film we didn't even know it was going to be a duet you know originally we just wrote it with gaga from the point of her character and then yeah you know it was bradley's master stroke to be like no i'm going to turn this into actually a ballad and then and then the way he wrote it into the story is just like I remember seeing a rough cut of the film for the first time and it was like he's taken a taken a very good song and given it like an emotional like wallop that us as songwriters couldn't even dream of, you know, like giving it an emotional injection of this of this beautiful love story as well. I love that they're still performing it as well. You know, she's in she's in Vegas and she's getting them up on stage to sing it and stuff. It's so it must be really nice for you that this this they they have such a connection still to this song to this that you wrote and and it's like oh, I loved watching that footage. It was quite recent, wasn't it? Where she was like playing Vegas and she's like, my good friend Bradley's here and he comes up and sings. No it. way. Have you not that seen is it? Crazy! I have to see that. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, Bradley and Todd Phillips are at her show in Vegas, and they're you know, and he's in like baseball cap and a leather jacket vibe sort of thing. Totally kind and of skull, skulking in the corner. Yeah, and she's like, she's at the piano. I mean, and she does the most amazing version of it. She's so talented, yeah. and she's kind of and obviously I'm so excited about seeing her in Joker too. By the way, as well. Yeah, and she's she kind of you know she's chatting with the audience. She was like, so I've got some good friends here tonight. In fact. Some of you might know my good friend Bradley, and the place erupts. It goes nuts. So a really good friend of mine. Chance. 
And then everybody thinks that she's just given him a shout out. And then he just comes up in his jeans and his jacket and his baseball cap and sings it oh with God, him. I'm going wa- to watch this as soon as we get up to, <laughs> up to film, for sure. It's so gorgeous. It's like, oh, brilliant. So amazing. You kind of like, I don't know, that song almost kind of like, it's like they're, you know, like as a couple, you have your song. That's definitely their song. It's kind of like, oh, it's lush. Andrew kind of you know did the kind of guide vocals for for Ken before Ryan came in to record the vocal I mean he really went for it you know you kind of I don't think you guys really I think none of us really knew that Ryan kind of we knew he had we, he had it in him when he was like 10 or whatever on the Disney Club but he suppressed that for so long and I feel like this film has almost allowed him to kind of oh just have fun with everything that he did when he was a kid yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny because obviously of the La La Land poster behind you, and oh yeah, that's a very beautiful song in that, and and also, you know, I did a quick thing of listening to everything I could find that he'd have a song on, just like I would with any singer, and I, you know, he has this very nice baritone. It's like a deep kind of lovely voice. It, it basically is where he he usually sings. So there was nothing that really I had to even think that he would could go anywhere near hitting those crazy notes and that he would even go for it because some of the other music is like probably more subdued so we went into the studio you know he was filming I'm sure he had like a crazy like 14 hour day of like filming all this stuff as Ken and we had a two hour window and he came to do you know East Coast Studios in Kensal Rise it was like the classic like yeah I think all the British indie Maximo Park and everything was like from that era was all recorded there as well as like the blockheads anyway it's like this really like 
classic kind of like no frills London studio. And, um, and he came there and, you know, we had like three minutes over cover tea to quickly break the ice and then just go, go in. And, you know, it's such a personal thing, producing someone doing a vocal, doing a song that, you know, they're singing for the first time, all of these things, you know, it's, it's like this thing of like a, very emotionally connected awkward first date all of it and you're just trying to make the singer feel as comfortable and as amazing as they can feel and I noticed one thing because you know in the studio there's this big glass window and Ryan's on the other side and I'm trying not to really stare at him because that seems you know invasive and but every now and then I look up he's quite a way back from the microphone and in in like studio and in the recording and stuff you would tell a singer like can you get a bit closer you know you're it's gonna you know not gonna be as direct the sound of it but I noticed that he was using like so much of his body and his physical energy to perform this song that it was almost like he was already performing it for the camera but while he was singing it and I feel like that's why the vocal on the record is in imbued with so much emotion because he was maybe performing whether it was subconscious or just just because he's a great actor that's how he was operating like he was already realizing how he was going to have to perform it and I feel like that's all in the vocal and then I realized that he could just nail it in every single key and modulation that the song was (laughs) going to that we weren't going to have to like lower it or help him out it was just yeah it was a very nice (laughs) revelation did you enjoy that that process as well of, you know, the whole film, not just these songs of of creating score for this film, you know, and creating the the kind of musical journey for the entire story, really, you know, in terms of that from the, from it we, being like, can you do one song for us, Mark, to doing the whole thing? Yeah, it really was. You know, I think what happened was with Ken, I saw the first cut just a really, really rough cut because I guess there's so many cuts while they're working on it. They just did, uh, like, they, what do they call it? Assembly. Yeah. And during the Ken scene, we had written a really like a two and a half minute song and all of a sudden it's now a 10, 11 minute battle sequence and they were just looping, literally looping, like ad nauseum, the same eight bars. And I was like, I can't even let you watch this. This is hard for me to, like, this is, the, that's how repetitive and painful this is. I was like, can you just give us this scene and let us just score it out? Because I didn't know at one point they had a composer involved and I didn't know if they were going to go out of Ken into the composer for a bit and then back to Ken. So I was like, let us just take a crack at this scene at least. And they really liked what we did. And, you know, Andrew and I never really scored an action sequence before. Uh, Nick Brattel, who's a great composer, did like Succession and a lot of great movies. Like, he he's like everybody lives in LA I guess so Nick's the only guy I know lives in New York New York yeah can I come to your house can you just show me like what you do like he shows me the sequence from Andor Star Wars and he's like yeah here's the thing and he was so generous and kind of like lifting the the hood up or whatever it is show me under the hood of like some stuff and it was inspiring and helpful and Andrew and I just you know it is a different animal in pop you're constantly thinking of of hooks and things and memorable moments and stuff. And, and, and really, you know, in film, it doesn't always call for that. It just calls for you to support the emotion. So we did our thing and Greta really liked it. And then she had a, some music tempt in the opening sequence and we came up with some music for that. 
because it was sort of in our wheelhouse and yeah eventually that turned into the Lizzo opening tune but yeah it, it just kind of like piece by piece and and then and then we by the time we ended up scoring the whole thing we were so in love with the film and the characters and the visuals and everything that we it felt like we knew what was supposed to be there or something yeah. like we we're just like emotionally connected to it Billie Eilish track at the end it's like I mean it's just a I mean it was lovely hearing kind of Greta talk about that you know in terms of when she she took I me mean, she talked about you in terms of when you both got sent that kind of really rough demo from Billy and Phineas and you're like holy shit <laughs> yeah it's the essence of her it's character yeah. it's just yeah immediately you know as soon as she opens her mouth it's really it's really it's re- it was so wonderful that song too and then Greta in a very smart way she was like okay i i don't want to just unload this billy eilish song at the end so everybody's like why is there suddenly a billy eilish song playing like it has to be set up and wove through the whole film i used to float now i just fall down i used to know but i'm not sure now what i really you know great Andrew and I had been obviously working on music for certain scenes for like a couple months but then when we got that song we just found a way to just incorporate that through because it was just so important to do that especially in the meeting Ruth scene there's that scene um, where she comes in and you know we had agonized for months over writing this beautiful waltz kind of 1930s type song that would that would fit there and we had something that we were really everyone was very excited about and then we heard the billy thing and we're like 
you know what, let's just turn the Billy song into that. Cause it just, <laughs> it's just like, it just, it's silly for like our ego, whatever it is. Like it makes so much more sense for the movie and it was beautiful. the absolute pleasure of hosting a Q&A with Martin Scorsese the other night which was just kind of like the most amazing experience for me and I came away so inspired by him because he talked about how with this new film it's he he really hopes that he learned something from it and the idea of something someone like him who has made so many incredible films over his career is still hungry to learn with each project that he does and for you this must be a different experience as well in that you're kind of facilitating different things than you would normally do. You know, you talked earlier about producing people's work and finding that relationship and finding that trust and that confidence and stuff. And, you know, this is kind of a different beast again in terms of your, the the music you create has got to fit so many things sort of thing. Have you enjoyed that side of it? And and do you want to do more? I mean, I, I loved it more than most things I've ever worked on. I mean, coming to work every day and just like firing up the tv like at first when it started obviously we never scored a film before and we didn't know we were scoring a film we had this like tiny little monitor that was our second screening you know going to these like Hans Zimmer studios and they've got like this giant thing that comes down it's like well as we're doing more and more we're like we can't keep making Greta come over to our studio and watch this basically on this on something that looked like a tv walkman and so by the time we got like a you know upgraded to this flat screen tv i just coming in every morning and firing up the tv and being greeted by that like burst of like technicolor like just beautiful like every scene of the film i remember the thing you know there's so many moments when you're working on the music of the film you're just randomly freeze framing in any part because that's where you finish writing and i just remember turning to andrew at one point and just being like Anywhere you freeze this film, it's like a painting that you could stare at for like hours and hours, like because it's so the production, everything is so visually rich and it's shot so well. So yes, like it was so inspiring in that way. I, I enjoyed it enough. I would never say that I, I wouldn't do another film, but at the same time, it would have to be something this inspiring and and special. And so. Yeah, it was incredible. And, you know, also, I guess one thing I've never really done before is sort of executive produce like a whole soundtrack and an album. So 
that was fun to, you know, sometimes it just meant calling up Kevin from Tame Impala, like, and texting him incessantly and harassing him to, like, make a deadline. <laughs> and then sometimes it was just, like, sitting with Charlie XCX and Greta and showing a scene and being like, Charlie, what do you think about a car chase? You know, like, just, it was fun to just be essentially kind of just rub into Greta's Batman on the music side of this film, <laughs> uh, as far as the soundtrack went. I love that way. It's a great way to put it. I really hope the song gets nominated for an Oscar and Ryan has to perform it at the Oscars. That has got to happen. How amazing yeah. would that be? Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I would love it. You know, we, we've become, you know, friendly now from this process. And, you know, Ryan is definitely like, it's it's a testament to who he is that he's not like really phased and like in the mix and like checking Spotify numbers and like so every time I send him like a, a really bizarre fact like hey you have the number four song on the Billboard Rock chart or you're the number one song on TikTok I don't send all the things just the things that really seem like a little bonkers he's just he'll be he'll be he's like excited but he writes back like I I don't even know how to process that you know like so it's really of course, Ryan on stage with Slash and the wind oh machine blowing. That's my fantasy, but we'll see. Oh, God, yeah. Okay, we've, we've got to manifest that for sure. Mark, I've, I've, I've kept you for, for long enough and let you get back, but it's so great to chat to you. I'm excited yeah, to see too. what's next, whatever, whether it's producing other people's work, your own, another film, whatever it is. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that is. And huge great. congratulations to both you and, and Andrew all the work on this great soundtrack is brilliant. Thanks so much. From the score to Barbie, that's Ken Thinks, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Mark Ronson. Enormous thanks and gratitude to Mark for taking the time to talk to me. Barbie is brilliant and is available to watch on home entertainment formats now. Spoken to Greta three times, uh, I reckon, and she is one smart, funny, engaging and brilliantly entertaining cookie. So head to edithbowman.com if you want to hear those interviews, along with every other 399 episodes of the pod, which makes 400 by my calculations. Soundtracking UK is our social media handle and we also have a YouTube channel which we'd really appreciate you subscribing to uh, and I will pop up the video for this from Mark in the next couple of days. Next up we're bringing you another um, live Soundtracking Everyman Film Club edition which features uh, John Batiste, Sulaika Jawad and Matthew Heineman talking about their extraordinary documentary it's called American Symphony. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then for episode 401.
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 